0: It is the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. I'm Eric G. from 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa. This week's episode, we'll take a look towards the future for both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. So we'll have John Hoover on from All Sooners and of course, 97.1 The Sports Animal, a co-host of the Hoover and May Show. And we'll have Zach Lancaster on from PokesReport.com. So without further ado, let's jump right into my interview with John Hoover from All Sooners. Joining us first on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition is John Hoover, uh, Editor Chief, All Things in Charge of All Sooners, which is uh, from Fan Nation, a Sports Illustrated network, and the host on uh, the 9 to 11 host on my radio station, 97.1 the sports animal and John, I think the first thing everybody's wondering about is just how big is the Exodus going to be
1: via the transfer
0: transfer portal with OU?
1: Uh, Good question. I don't think it'll be that big. I think there'll be some guys that are some fringe players, some guys who uh, are young players who are examining their decision to, to, to come to Oklahoma, you know, didn't get a lot of playing time freshmen that always happens. And there'll be some older guys, uh, who have uh, not played much in their careers, who are looking for a shot to, you know, get on the field and have a big year, that kind of thing. I don't anticipate many of what you would call uh, premier players, frontline players, uh, maybe a starter or two here or there, but I don't think it'll be a big, uh, a big exodus this year.
0: Well, that's good, and I think that probably calms some, some fans' nerves, but one thing I was wondering about, and I go back to the article that, that you wrote about Marvin Mims at, at All Sooners and about what he said about the you know, the, the change in culture and how some guys didn't handle it. Do you think that there was a point this year that Brent Venables may have lost this team?
1: No, not lost the team. Um, I think... I think players weren't necessarily always buying into, based on what Marvin Mims said, it didn't sound like players were necessarily buying into um, 100% of everything that Brent Venables and his staff were saying or doing or asking asking of them. But, no, lost the team. I definitely don't think they lost the team. Uh, Talking to guys, we talked to, I think, eight different players on Saturday night after the Texas Tech game. And if you just listen to their words and listen to their, um, their, their read their body language and their facial expressions, and, and kind of even read between the lines or, or look into the depth of what they're saying, guys are saying, no, this this culture is good, the foundation is good, the coaches are, are really have uh, this thing moving in the right direction. Everybody to the man, I don't th- I don't think it sounded like the company line, but it sounded like everybody was on the same page in terms of their answers. Um, you know, final game of the season, 12th game, and you're 6-6, six and six, and everybody's disappointed, yet everybody seems very convicted that the um, the culture's good, everything's moving in the right direction. Yes, they had a, a, a setback season, and they had four losses by one possession or less. Um, you know, the there's a lot of disappointment, but in terms of losing the team, no, I definitely think that uh, the players are – are still pretty much on board with what Venable's is bringing in.
0: Talking with John Hoover from All Sooners here on the Heartland College Sports Podcast, Bedlam Edition. Well, if that's the case, if if players are are all bought in, and I think fans are all, fans are always wanting that 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 magical timeline of oh things are going to be better in year two or things are going to be better in in year three. But if players are are buying in and the recruiting class is as good as, as maybe its ranking is, how much improvement can we realistically expect from this team next year?
1: Well, that's the real question is does it get better before it gets worse? Um, and I, I don't know that it will. Your best offensive lineman seems to be headed to the NFL draft. Uh, your best wide receiver probably is headed to the NFL draft. Your best running back for sure. Uh, seems definitely headed to the NFL draft so you're losing some some frontline talent you're losing some of your better uh, positional players probably your right tackle Wanya Morris might go as well as Anton Harrison um, and uh, Theo Weiss seems to be in the uh, transfer portal uh, although it's been pr- reported prematurely that he's uh, sources close to him say that he's going to enter the transfer portal. It's still a little early for that, but you know that's that's two of your top receivers in him and Marvin Mims. Uh, don't know what uh, you know your what your backup running back situation is going to be. Javante Barnes had a nice year, but behind Eric Gray, what else is there? You know, there's two freshmen. One of them hardly played at all this year. Um, you know, there's got, there's a couple of walk-ons, transfers, stuff like that. Marcus Major, who. You know, has yet to make a real lasting impact. And uh, there's help on the way. The freshman class is supposed to be pretty good, but uh, you have to put it in all caps freshman class. So, how good can they be in 2023? Don't know. So, Yeah, is it going to be better next year, or is it going to be worse? I think the schedule is manageable, but if you look at this year's schedule, this year's schedule looked manageable, and look what they produced, a 6-6 and record. Well, I mean,
0: it seems based on what you're saying, I mean, whether Brent Venables finds it tasteful or not, that if he's going to jumpstart this thing, he's going to have to go via the transfer portal, and you're going to have to find, you know, for for, for lack of a better term, those high-priced free agent guys, a lot of those guys – that that landed up in Cardinal and Gold, Golden on the coast. If you want to get it, if you want to get it jump started, but I got to ask John. And, and look, I'll admit, I was tired of Lincoln Riley. I, I thought his teams had grown soft, based on what Marvin Mims says. I, I feel like I've got every reason to believe that, and I felt like there was uh, there was a max that you were going to accomplish with Lincoln Riley, and I still feel that people at USC are going to find that out, but. I am starting to wonder can you realistically win a national championship at OU or is it just the school that'll win a lot of ball games get into the playoffs on on good year but winning the whole thing is that not something we can expect anymore I mean and let's face it it's been 22 years since since the last one's been in Norman
1: yeah um last year I would have said yes it's it's off the table. Uh, it's an extreme long shot at best for Lincoln Riley's team to win a national title, uh, especially as they transition into the SEC. But college football is changing. Uh, the NIL is changing. The transfer portal is changing the game. And, frankly, college realignment, conference realignment is changing the game. Oklahoma in the SEC, I think. Um, get a couple of, Stack a couple of good recruiting classes together. Get, get a, a good year in the portal. Um, get everybody on the same page with the NIL, and you get the right people in there. You get the right players, personnel in there. Uh, you get into the 12-team playoff, which is another change coming down the pike for college football, 12-team playoff instead of four. All those things line up, and you can be the second or third team in the SEC, and you get a break in, the, in a playoff game, and I think Oklahoma's got a real shot. Under Brent Venables with the culture he's building and the the recruits that he's getting, bunch of defensive line guys that they're not, that they, Mike Stoops couldn't get, Ruffin McNeil of course couldn't get, Alex Grinch couldn't get, but you, but you're getting those guys or you're at least getting close on some of those guys so far, uh, to be able to go in five star defensive linemen to go into the SEC and give you an equal chance to win. I think Oklahoma, everything stays on that track. I think Oklahoma can absolutely win a national title in the next five to seven years, maybe maybe a little longer. You know, there, there's no way to put a, a actual number on it. I don't think it'll be before five years. Um, I've seen people say within their third year in the SEC. I think that's a little pie in the sky because there's going to be an adjustment period. But no, I think overall, uh, long term, you know, are they going to win conference champions? Are they going to win six conference titles in a row like they did in the Big Twelve? Absolutely not. Are they going to go 23 years without a national title? I don't think so. I think they'll win one or two before before that ban span expires.
0: John Hoover joining us here on the Heartland College Sports Podcast, Bedlam Edition. And, you know, John, I, I think it's just you mentioned stack a couple of recruiting classes on top of one another. I don't know how realistic that is for any school anymore. That And, and I, I just real quick. R- retention rate out of those recruiting classes. What do we now consider success as far as retention rate goes out of your recruiting classes? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you got to get some starters out of those recruiting classes. You can't have a bunch of backups and, and red shirts and, and transfers, the guys that leave. Uh, Eric, I looked at uh, the 2018 class, which would be this year's 50 year seniors. Okay. The 2018 recruiting class. Freshmen coming in and playing in 2018 when Kyler Murray was the quarterback and they lost Alabama in the playoff. There are on this team, on the 2022 team, from 24 guys that signed with the Sooners, there are currently five guys on this roster left over. Five out of 24. Now, I think five guys went to the NFL. Maybe not five out of that class, but five from last year's team went to the NFL draft. There were some in that class, laren Turner-Yell. I think Isaiah Thomas might have been one of them. There were several in that class. Who went to the NFL draft? Who would make this year's team, uh, this year's roster better? So, but even so, I mean, even if you just take if it's whatever that number would be of guys that went to the NFL last year, if it's just three, you're still at nine out of twenty-four. That's not enough. Nine guys, six guys, five guys, whatever it is, is single digits out of twenty-four. Is not enough retention i think to stack recruiting classes uh you want guys in here that are that have it in their mind that they're going to the nfl in three years but really le- legitimately realistically how many of those guys are there how many how many guys come in play as a freshman play as a sophomore and then junior year they're gone they, they go to the nfl not gone transferred but go to the nfl there's really not a lot So if you could get one or two of those guys a year and then one or two guys that go in the draft per year out of each class, then you're on to something. Then you're you're starting to stack. I say one or two. You'd rather have four or five or six or seven. But um, if you could get one or two, that would make you competitive, I think, um, with just about anybody. One or two of those three-year guys, you know, three and done, so to speak, and then one or two have got guys that are four year, five year guys that are off to the NFL draft. That's when you you know you've had a successful run in Oklahoma. They've they've broken a lot of streaks this year going all the way back to, you know, the the in-ip days of the 1998 team. Every time we look up something, it's when's the last time? Well, it had to be 1998, right? Yeah. They broke a lot of those streaks. One of the streaks that's in jeopardy is is Oklahoma's got it leads the nation right now what is it 15 years in a row they've had four guys drafted yeah I'm not so sure that's gonna that's gonna happen off this year's team so that's something else that uh this year's team may be uh um may be known for as they uh as they transition out
0: well john we thank you so much uh for for joining us uh we wish you the absolute best again all sooners it's at fan nation part of sports illustrated on 97.1 the sports animal Um, weekdays from 9 to 11. And where
1: else can people get you, John? Uh, Find me on Twitter at John E. Hoover. All my stuff goes up there, faithfully. So appreciate you having me on, Eric. Thank you very much, John. I appreciate it.
0: Up next, Zach Lancaster from PokesReport.com discusses the future of one Spencer Sanders. Joining me now on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition from... Wow, I, I mean, for from several media outlets, we've got Zach Lancaster here on the Heartland College Sports Podcast. All right, so where, where all are all you from? You're at PokesReport. dot com. Uh, you're on the radio. Where all can people get you, Zach?
2: Yeah, so PokesReport. dot com. Uh, you can listen uh, three to five daily on uh, Triple Play Sports Radio here in Stillwater, uh, and you can find me at Twitter Z Lancaster ninety one, and you know just just about anywhere and everywhere. Let me tell you.
0: Well, that's good. That's because we we want your information. And I think the information a a lot of OSU fans right now want is, what is the current state of of this Oklahoma State football program? And where do the Cowboys pick up and go from this season?
2: Yeah, you know, so what's interesting is I always kind of anticipated – it's somewhere between seven and nine wins for this year. You know, I think maybe, maybe a ceiling being 10, if you, if you pick up the win in the bowl game, because if you look at everything that they lost off the defensive side of the ball, I mean, you've got a couple of guys playing in the NFL. You've, you lost some guys off the defensive line. You lost some corners, some safeties, some linebackers. I mean, obviously the loss of loss of Jim Knowles was big, but <clears throat> Derek mason has has done a pretty good job this year, but it was it was kind of crazy to anticipate them being able to continue from a twelve and two season last year. I mean you just you lost too much and you lost a lot on the offensive side of the ball as well, not as much, but you still lost some so I always kind of anticipated somewhere between seven and nine wins, but I think the fact that when you start october twenty ninth against Kansas State, you go to the end of the season and you go, what was it one and four i mean. I don't think anyone could have anticipated that. I thought that was uh, – and especially how you lost a couple of those games. You know, you look at what happened in Kansas. You give up almost 1,100 yards, 550 on the ground. I mean, uh, it was it was insane. And, and obviously you chalk up all the injuries. This team is exhausted. You know, and I, I think that's the best way to put it. Uh, there hasn't been too many years where Oklahoma State's bye week or open week, if you will, came – after a non-conference and then you, you have a grinder of a big 12 schedule. And, and I'm not saying that if you'd, if you'd have played the non-conference, you know, and then two to three, four big 12 games, and then had a, had an open week middle of the end of October, it would have been any different. I I think you're still looking at injuries, but I, I think the crazy amount of injuries that they had, obviously affects things in a, in a pretty big way. So, Right now, you know, Mike gives the team off the this week, uh, which is which is greatly needed. I I think that, um, I I think they need time off. I think they need to get away from the program. I think they need to get away from Stillwater for a little bit. Obviously, they still have classes, but uh, they got to get some stuff figured out. You know, they really need to need to try to to redo things and refocus. And and I think I think you're going to see some changes off season. I, I do. I don't know. I don't know on what level. I don't know what you know, if, if you're going to see coaching changes or not, but I, I think when you, when you look at how the season finished with, you know, going, going one and four to in the regular season, three of those games you should have won. You know, I, I think that, I think you have to redo things. There's no question.
0: Where does this narrative come from that Mike Gundy has taken this program as, as far as it can go. And for those that think that he has taken it as far as it can go, what is a realistic next level? If there is a realistic next
2: level, so I think you take a look at. There's kind of three factions of Oklahoma State's fan base, right? You have the you have the the classic fans. You have the fans that lived through the O10 and one. You have fans that you know are are very grateful for where the program is, and obviously they would like for you know they would like for wins to happen. But you know everything is is kind of gravy at this point. And then you have a new age fan. You look at you know everything kind of post 2011, the build up to 2011, and then everything post 2011, and it's it's a fan base that is hungry for more. You know, it's I don't want to say it's not a bandwagon fan, but it's a it's a new age fan that it constantly it's expects better. And there you go, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> it's they a want better fan. and better and better yeah and 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 that's a good fan to have you know there's the expectations are always being set you go to a you know you've got a 12 and 2 season you you play for a fiesta bowl you beat a top five all-time program in notre dame you have several uh top 25 wins you beat oklahoma uh you play for a big 12 championship game you know so logically the next step would be well you got to play for another big 12 championship and you got to compete for a uh, spot in the college football playoff, but they lost a lot, you know. And so there's there's going to be a downturn, and and there's going to be upset, and there's going to be some resentment there that Oklahoma State didn't quite live up to those expectations that those people set on the program. And I'm not saying that the program doesn't have those expectations, but that's that's just kind of where we are. And then the third third uh, fan is like my dad. You know, he graduated Oklahoma State with a couple of degrees back in the '80s. He he lived through the crap years. But he also has so everything is is great for him. You know he's like, hey, we're we're a successful program, everything's gravy, but he also has expectations. you know he wants the program to get better, but he's not going to be calling for coaches' jobs and so I, I think that's where the this new age fan, which is is good to have you, you look at programs like Oklahoma or Alabama, you know big time s e c programs, and they have these quote unquote spoiled bandwagon, whatever you want to call it. And they constantly want this program to get better and better and better. And I, I think that's just where it came from. I don't. I, I think it's crazy to think that Mike Gundy has done all he can for Oklahoma State. When you look at the, when you look over the past four or five years, recruiting has gotten better each year. When you look at the programs the, from you know ten or fifteen years ago, obviously the the recruiting has gotten better. But if they don't have the four and five stars, they're going to develop. You look at guys like James Washington. You know, you look at guys like Marcel Aitman, uh, Justice Hill. I mean, they, they can do a lot with, I don't want to say a little, but they can really turn guys into into some big-time athletes. So, And in the past, two classes have been two of the better classes that Oklahoma State's ever had. And while this class, 2023, isn't ranked as high, it's still a very talented class. They're bringing in some really good football players, including quarterback Zane Floors out of Gretna, Nebraska. So, I don't know. I mean, I... There was always an anticipated to be a down year, but I, I think the way it happened, people just kind of off the bridge and kind of went crazy the past couple of weeks, and all of a sudden the, the program's in a downwards spiral. And, and I, I don't think that's the case. I, I think they just had a, a rough couple of weeks, and now you know, you don't really know what to do, your, do with yourself.
0: Well, the one issue that, that I've got, Zach, is the fact that a lot of people are still ma- are mad about Mike Gundy's record in Bedlam. But outside of Bob Simmons, no one in my lifetime has ever had a winning record against uh, OU. Not to mention the fact you're not, you may never play that game again after this year. That game may be history. And, And I don't understand why continue to judge somebody on something that they're never going to do again. And why not judge them on the success going forward in a Big 12? which is a lot more winnable than it's it's been in years past, and you really don't have a school that is – you really don't have the opportunity to have a dominant program in the Big 12.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, when you look at OU, I mean, they've, they've been so good for so long. And, and I think the fans have – I think they have every right to be upset with uh, Oklahoma State's record with OU. I mean, that's just uh, – that's natural order of things. But I'm also in the. I, I will say this. I'm in the camp. I don't. I don't see how Bedlam doesn't get played. You know, they they might be off for a handful of years. But when you look at when you look at the millions of people that watch this game, hell, you could just use Bedlam this year as the perfect barometer of what the nation thinks of Bedlam. You've got a struggling Oklahoma State team that had just lost to Kansas. They got obliterated by Kansas State. Got beat by a bad Kansas team. Struggled to beat a bad Iowa State team at home. You've got uh, one of the worst OU teams in their program history, and you've got a six thirty on ABC. <laughs> you know, I mean that that kind of that goes to show you what TV thinks of this of this uh, rivalry. So, I, I think that when OU goes to the big uh, the SEC, whatever that is, I, I think you're going to get Fox or and, and ESPN, and they're going to get together and say, "Listen, this is too valuable a game for us not to play." And so we're going to, you know, let's just say a highball number, we're going to offer $12 million a year. You can't not play this game. Too many viewers, you know, there's too many people watch this game. The home team gets 75%, and then you, you know, split the gate or whatever it might be. But I, I think when you look at the future of the Big 12, I think Oklahoma State's in a really good place. You know, I mean, it was a down year this year, but you're going to return a majority of your talent. You know, you'll lose some pieces, you know, Spencer Sanders' status is still up in the air. We don't know if he's coming back or if he's going to go to the NFL or transfer or whatever. Uh, you return every offensive lineman. Uh, you return all almost all of your defensive backs. You'll lose probably Thomas Harper, although he could come back. You'll definitely lose Jason Taylor. You know, you're gonna you should bring back all your linebackers. You'll lose some good talent on the defensive line, but you got some good young talent back there. And you'll I think you're going to return every receiver. You'll return your running backs. Um, So, yeah, I mean, if you look across the board, the talent's there, the depth's there. You had to play a lot of inexperience. But when you look at the four teams coming into the Big 12 in the next couple of – I guess it would be next year, you know, Oklahoma State looks to be on better footing. You know, Cincinnati just lost its head coach. UCF has kind of been a bit, bit of a down spot. They're not as good as they have been. Houston had a really weird year, and BYU's not as good as they were last year. When you look at Texas, they've kind of bounced back a little bit, but how good, how much better is OU going to be? You know, I, I think that Baylor had a bit of a down year this year. They're probably going to be a little bit better, but is Kansas State going to be as good as they were last uh, this year? I don't know. Probably, maybe, but maybe not. So, when you look at the talent that Oklahoma State has, you have to hope that Mike Gundy can go out into the transfer portal and bring in some guys. You had a lot of youth, like I said, that played a lot of snaps this year. They're going to be more experienced. And so this Oklahoma State team, it has to be better. Like you can't just sit there and say, well, it, it might be better. No, this team has to be better than it was this year. I, I th- and I think it will.
0: Talking with Zach Lancaster here on the Heartland College Sports Podcast, Bedlam Edition. All right, Zach, uh, to wrap things up, because we know uh, you've got to get to work, uh, real quick, give me three guys that you're excited about in this upcoming recruiting class for Oklahoma State. And gut feeling, is Spencer Sanders the quarterback next year for Oklahoma State, or is it Garrett Rangel or Gunnar Gundy?
2: So uh, I'll start with recruiting. I'll start with those three. The, the first and foremost, that it should be the most obvious for anyone, and I I don't understand why there's some Oklahoma State fans that aren't just slobbering at the mouth for this kid is Zane Flores, the quarterback out of Gretna, Nebraska. Um, Now, obviously, he has to put it all together. You can't just sit there and say he's automatically going to translate to the collegiate level. But when you look at the numbers that he put up, uh, I mean, he's the all-time Nebraska leader in passing yards with uh, 9,163. He's the all-time Nebraska leader in completions with 724. Uh, I mean, he's he's incredible. He was an elite 11 quarterback. So he's, I'm, I'm most excited about him. Uh, and then you look at, let me pull up the rest of this list. Um, I, I, it's a guy that not many people uh, are talking about, but a Cam Franklin, safety out of Oak Grove uh, down in Louisiana. I think he's going to be really good. And then someone that has really flown under the radar, hasn't got a lot of pub, hasn't got a lot of attention, isn't, wasn't heavily recruited, uh, is Poasa Utu out of Kennedale in Texas. Uh, he's a, he's a linebacker and he has been an absolute terror. And I think, I think uh, a Utu is going to be really good.
1: And about
2: Spencer, Eric, I don't know. I, I really have no clue because when you look at it I, and I've said it before and I hope he proves me wrong. I'm not trying to be mean or hateful or anything like that. I just, I don't think Spencer is a professional quarterback. I don't think he's an NFL back or an NFL quarterback. I don't know if you can transition him to any other position in the NFL. So, I think when you look at Spencer, whether he comes back this year or whether he goes to another program, going off of his going off of his Instagram post that he put out the other day, uh, I don't know if you saw that. Uh, I've, let me I pull it up here real quick. The caption was "Life goes on," and it's three pictures of him, two from senior day. So something tells me that he's probably not coming back, which when you look at Spencer, I had this conversation on my show yesterday, other than winning a big 12 championship, which you have to realistically think whether or not Oklahoma state can do that next year, other than win a big 12 championship, there's not much else Spencer Sanders can do at Oklahoma state. You know, he's, he's done. He's second in just about every quarterback uh, category. He's first in a few, you know he's he's done nothing but you know be successful here at Oklahoma state he's had his he's had his ups and his downs, but he's been incredible here and so if he if he does in fact decide that he's his time in Stillwater is over uh, then i'll you know i'll I'll tip my cap and and i I hope him I wish him nothing but success but Eric let's say he dis, let's say he decides he does want to transfer. Penn state seems like a pretty good landing spot for him with Mike Yurcich behind a really, really good offensive line. He's got really good weapons around him. And when you think about the explosiveness of Spencer Sanders in the big 10, I mean, this kind of seems like a match made in heaven, huh?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, I would hate to see him be successful someplace else, but I would wish him absolutely Absolutely. nothing but the best. He's been a lot of fun to watch over these last few years and, if it's time for Garrett Rangel to to take the take the reins or Gunner Gundy or whoever, then we'll just wish them the, be, the uh you know, the most success that they can possibly have. But I'd like to see Spencer Sanders, you know, finish it out at least you know one more year here.
2: I'm with you. I, I would. I, I've said it for weeks now. I would love to see Spencer come back. You know, the the type. All you have to do is look at the fourth quarter against Iowa State. Now, they didn't put up a lot of points in the fourth quarter, but he gave an immediate shot. You know, all the guys on the team love him. He's a warrior. You know, he's going to gut it out. He's played injured for most of this year. And so I'd I'd love to see him come back. But but if he doesn't, you have to look at the two games that Garrett Rangel has played. Garrett's like the future right now. You know, it's I, I like Gunner. He was a hell of a high school quarterback, and I, I think he can play at this level. I just don't know if it's going to be in Stillwater. So when you, I, I think you look at Garrett and the the collection of weapons that he has, you give him another off season with Rob Glass, you give him another spring football, you give him another summer workout, and then you put him in as a redshirt freshman with Division one experience in August. Is this team going to be as good? I, I think there's going to be a learning curve, but Garrett's the Garrett's the quarterback of the future. Zane Flores comes in in January. He's going to get a full offseason. He's going to get a full year with the coaching staff and Rob Glass. And then when you get to January 2024, that is going to be one incredible quarterback battle between those two.
0: Well, Zach, thank you so much uh, for coming on today. Again, Zach Lancaster from Pokes Report. And uh, real quick, Zach, tell everyone else uh, where they can follow you on Twitter and and, and where where all you are, not only on the internet but on the air.
2: Yeah, you can check us out at uh, pokesreport.com. Uh, you can follow me at Twitter, ZLancaster91. You can follow Pokes Report at PokesReport on Twitter. And then I'm also, uh, we're we're about 10 minutes out from uh, 3 to 5 on uh, Triple Play Sports Radio Monday through Friday.
0: Well, thank you very much, Zach. Uh, thanks for coming on today, and we wish you the absolute best. Be safe. Thanks to both our guests, Zach Lancaster from PokesReport.com and John Hoover from All Sooners. And when we get back next week, we'll be looking ahead to the bowl games for both OU and OSU. Please don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review or subscribe, rate, and review. Hey, even if you slam us, I actually did not mind. I got a bad review this week and I didn't mind it because it's actually going to help me in the long run, but I'd still prefer you go five stars and tell us what we're doing right. But hey, it's completely up to you. Um, So I just want to tell you this as I I get out of here for the week. May God bless you and your family as the great Jackie Boone always says. Everybody love everybody. And to quote Metallica and James Headfield, uh, who gave us a great new song this week, Lux Eterna, full speed or nothing. Do everything like that this week, and your life will be fantastic. See you soon.